pray. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I really, I really pray, Father, that you would just give everyone an ear to hear what it is you want to say today, Lord. I thank you that you are the only one. Your word is the only truth that can change our hearts from the inside out, Lord, that can shift our thinking, that can make us new, Lord. So I pray that your presence, your power would just come upon us, Lord, and, and shift our thinking, change the way we see you, change the way we see church, change the way we see each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Yeah, I like these, um, these contention cards. Church doesn't have much to offer me. I pick and choose the parts of the Bible I believe in. These are, these are really, it's true, you know. These are like thoughts that a lot of us have, and it's good to kind of contend with that and really um, look and see what's happening. I think I just want to start off by saying, you know, especially with this weekend and what's going on in the world, it, it's really... It's really bad. It's really a lot of fear that's happening. And I think it really, you know, for me, for the last few days, even the last few weeks, God has really been kind of speaking to me more about how the need for the world to really feel connected, you know, um, it, it's, it's lacking. And, and when I say the world, I mean everyone, you know, not just of the world and not and I'm not talking about you know, Christians and non-believers. I'm just speaking of the world in, in, as a whole. You know, we, we desire connection. We desire community. You know, it's, it's actually in us to want to be connected with people, you know. That's why we get married. This is why we have friendships. why we have relationships. And uh, no one wants to be alone. And I think, hence why, you know, the church... It's meant to be that, you know, it's meant to be a place where we all come and should feel instantly connected, you know. Um, but the church, I don't think, has really done a very good job in, in doing that or in providing that. You know, for me, I know it may be a few first generation or even second, third generation Christians here, but for me, I'm actually a fifth generation Christian. So I've, I, I thought about this the other day. I was like, wow, man, this started with my great, great grandfather. This is, it's, it's amazing. It's really amazing because I, I've never had the experience of coming right off the street into a radical transformation. I've only known church. You know, this is, this is all I grew up in, you know. So, you know, at, at some points throughout my life, I, I would want I would wonder, man, how would it feel if I did have that, you know, come off the street and been through this and that, and then Jesus just completely transforms my life, and I'm on this fire, and it's like, man, those people have amazing testimonies, and I would often think, you know, what if that was me? Would I be more hungry for God? You know, because I think growing up in the church, which is great, and I really appreciate it now more than ever. But a lot of things that church kids go through, and especially when it's generation after generation, we learn the lingo of church really, really quickly, and we're really good at it. 
you know, and we know how to say it, we know how to speak it, we know how to do it, um, but it's very religious, and, it, and it's a very church, you know, mindset. Not a Jesus mindset, but more of a church mindset, because there's a lot of man-made systems that you don't really recognize when you're younger until you actually start to grow up. And when Jesus gives you an awakening, you kind of see what has been man-made tradition versus what is really Jesus. And I've seen it. I've, I've, I've been a part of it, you know. And, and when God kind of pulls you out of something and you start to really get a sense of what the world needs, um, you start to understand where the church has actually lost some of its relevancy because no one wants to be you know, put into a place where you say this, but then you're doing something else. And it's very hypocritical. Um, it's very systematic. A lot of things with the Western church is that you see, you see the church built in a way where the shepherd is actually more protected than the sheep. Where the visionaries and the senior pastors and those people that have great vision for local churches are actually more protected than the sheep of who they should be leading. This may not be easy to hear, and trust me, it's, it's not easy for me to say, but it's truth. And the problem has been that. I think, for me, I've been watching how a lot of these so-called healthy churches and great churches and great establishments have been falling and they've been toppling over and it's really been all about the leader because of the way the system has been designed. And that's a problem because when it comes to connection, soon as we see, um, you know, those visionaries just, just fall and you kind of backtrack, well, what has happened? There's been lack of accountability. There's been um, lack of transparency. There hasn't been people that have been put in place to actually see the entire church grow as a whole. Rather, we've actually protected people that are greatly gifted and greatly anointed, but the problem has been the character has been lacking, and no one has called anyone out on it. So when the fall happens, the world is looking at the church like, man, just when I was that close, no, I'm going to take maybe two or three or four steps back because you guys need to get it together. But everyone wants connection. That's what the church should be about. It, it, it's... It's like we see these conferences that have become more about gaining members than actually making disciples. We, we're more conscious about how many people we can bring in than actually focus on the people that we actually have to build and go out. See, I think the vision for the church is really easy because Jesus gave it when he was with the disciples. He said, go and make disciples. Go into all the world. And make disciples. That's the church. Jesus says, I will build my church. And he said, okay, this is the first thing. And really focus on this. If you can focus on this, then the world will know that I've been sent. Unify, go out, and make disciples. But we're trying to draw in and build crowds. That's what it looks like. That's what it seems like. And so we've, 
we've noticed how when you think of churches, and it, it doesn't matter the size, you know, most of the time, obviously, if it's, if it's bigger churches, then it makes sense because bigger churches or mega churches are more renowned, but that's fine. It, it can be smaller churches, it can be local churches, but when you think of church, you often think of just one or maybe two people. You know, you, you don't think of the body. You think of just maybe just the visionary or just one person. And, and the problem is it's become like a celebrity image, you know, so to speak. It's like we make people celebrities in, in the church, which is very destructive. And, and don't get me wrong. I think when you're preaching Jesus and when you're ministering Jesus and when you're changing the community, there is fame that comes with that. I mean, the Bible talks about the fame of Jesus, how it went throughout the land, and it went before him. So wherever he went, people recognized who he was before he got there. So fame is okay. I think we should own fame because fame is a part of who we are. You know, Jesus makes his name great through us, right? But when it comes to being this or describing or kind of taking ownership around this celebrity mentality, I think that's a big no-no because what the world looks at as a celebrity is often distinct or is often a separation between that image and the image of the everyday person. So a celebrity is often treated better. You know, anyone that is a celebrity can go anywhere and get things free. And, and if we start to take that on in the church, we start to believe our own hype as if we are the cause for someone to receive salvation. How, how is that possible? We didn't die for anybody. But this is how we start to think. So there, therefore, we, we go from one stage to being someone who desperately needed God, and then we fall into the trap of you know, people looking at us as if we had something to offer them. And then our name becomes a little bit bigger. And then we grab the celebrity mentality. And now that person in me is its a difference. I don't, I don't really need to spend that much time with them. Why would I do that? I have to keep up my image. My reputation is really important. And then ultimately we lose the whole focus of what it means to actually grab those that are unchurched those that don't know Jesus, who desperately need him. This weekend was horrible because you have a man going around stabbing people. They need Jesus, but we're too busy because I need my image. So the church has systematically failed, and that has to change because connection is the ultimate thing that brings everyone together to know who Christ is. But then you see social media. You see the world try to do the same. You see how social media is probably one of the biggest industries out there. And the desire, of course, is to try to bring the world in a little bit closer. You know, everyone connect a little bit, a little bit more. And, and that's not bad. But what social media can do, and it's really deceptive when you, when you really get into it because it's like you have to pull back because you see how, especially with, 
you know, the platform Instagram, which is probably the biggest social media platform at this point. I, I don't know. I'm not on Instagram that much, but it, it's, it tends to be. And it, it's all about self-image. It's all about this perfection that you want to display for people to see. So when we look at it, we're looking at something that is actually not real. And we tend to look at the moment as if it's their entire world and what they do. And, and, and we, we find ourselves, you know, I'm sure we're all guilty of it because it creates a world that is actually not a reality. So whatever reality we're actually dealing with in life that is actually fully real and, you know, we get anxious about it, we get worried, we get stressed, and we don't want to deal with it, guess what? We kind of just turn to something that looks perfect. And we kind of come to social media. So, you know, it's easy to just get lost in this world because this world, everything looks beautiful. Oh, that's a nice picture. Take it. Take take this. Take this selfie. I hate selfies, by the way. But your my, my wife will tell you I'm so not a picture person. But you can just see what it does because it, it gives you a a false sense of reality. And... It's just a way of escape from the reality that we actually live in. And and that just kind of shows you that social media and these things aren't the answer when it comes to real connection. So let's just quickly go to 1 John. Because I want to go to what is the truth. If church hasn't been the very the answer it needs to be, and we do need to be the answer, but the way the church has kind of been looked at and built, it just needs to change because the world doesn't have the answer, but the scriptures have the answer. So let's look look at 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, and I'm just going to quickly read it. This is the message we have heard from him And declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship, connection, community, fellowship. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. We have fellowship, but if we walk in the light, As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's that's interesting. The writer here, John, he, he goes directly to us having fellowship with each other, not just with God, with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So the title of my message today is just two words. It's simple. Be vulnerable. It's that simple. 
we have to be vulnerable. I just kind of want to walk through the scripture really quickly because there's a thread here that I picked up on. One, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, it gives us fellowship with him, but it also gives us fellowship with each other. And it is his blood that purifies us from all sin. So what that shows us, what that displays, what we can get out of that is that we need God first. We need him. We need Jesus. But we also need one another. It's, it's, there's no distinction. Like, the writer is not just saying to have fellowship with God who is light and we walk in the light. He doesn't leave it at that. And you got to understand where he's writing from, where he's coming from during that time, Gnosticism was really becoming very big. It was probably the, big, the biggest heresy around that time. So they were saying and trying to convince Christians that Jesus isn't really God. And they were making up all these things, but apparently the influence that they had was so strong that he, as a writer and as a person who knew Christ, who walked with Christ, needed to let all the believers know that what they're doing is not true. You need Jesus, but the point is we all need to be unified together. We have fellowship with one another. Don't let something come in and break the community. And break the connection. Because it is in our unity that Jesus is able to be seen and believed on by the world. So during that time, this is why I was so adamant for John to write this letter. So if we need him, which we do, we also need one another. Another point that I picked up on is that if we walk in darkness, then we do not have fellowship with God. It's interesting because as you look up darkness and as you realize with darkness, everything is hidden. There's nothing that is exposed. But when you walk in the light, there's nothing that is hidden. So if I walk in darkness, I can't be in the light because I'm hiding everything that God is trying to expose. And when things are hidden, that's when the walls are up. That's when self-preservation is your number one priority. You're trying to cover everything that you don't want to be seen. So you hide. It's natural. Look, what happened with Adam and Eve, it happens with all of us. The moment we recognize something that we don't like, guess what we do? We hide it. And a lot of times, even when it comes to talking with God, when we don't like something about ourselves, do you find, is it just me or do you find it difficult to actually talk to God about that very thing you don't really like about you? Yeah? Yeah, it's, 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 it's not just me. Thank, thank God. It's difficult because it's the thing that we kind of just want to keep in the background. But that remains in darkness. And if we remain in darkness we remain hidden, and you can't walk in the light and be in darkness at the, same, at the same time. But then the third point, which I thought was really interesting, is that the writer, John, he also says, if we say we don't have sin, then we don't have the truth. 
Now, if I'm in darkness, obviously I'm in my sin. But if I'm walking in the light, then it's interesting when I read that passage because I would always ask myself the question, man, how am I walking in the light and then saying, isn't it okay for me to say I don't have sin? Isn't that the point? The point for me to walk in the light is that I don't have sin. But that's actually not the point. Because we all have sinned. And guess what? Maybe this week you're going to sin. You know, on your journey, you're, you're going to fall into some places where it's like, oh, I missed it here. I missed it there. But what's interesting about this, when you read, because we are in the light, that is how our sin is exposed. But there's no shame in that. There's no condemnation in it. There's no guilt in it because we are purified by the blood of Jesus. So the very thing that we can't handle ourselves, guess what? The blood of Christ has already taken care of it. This is why we can walk in the light and expose the very thing that has been keeping us in darkness and allow God to deal with that. Because the blood of Christ has already purified us from it. Ah, you you start to realize, wait, the thing that has actually been holding me in darkness, it no longer has to hold me there because that's actually not me. Who I am is a person that is in fellowship with God. And whatever sin is there, I'm not ashamed of it. Why do I have to believe that deception? Why do I have to believe the lie that I should be ashamed or feel guilty about the sin that's there? I don't because the blood of Jesus has already cleansed me from it. I'm clean. I'm clean. So what gives me fellowship with him? It's because I'm in the light. Now, if I stay in the light, and then whoever else is in the light, I have fellowship with them too. And guess what? None of us are perfect, but we're perfected in Jesus. And if we're perfected in him, I can be vulnerable to you because the thing that I've been hiding, I no longer have to hide. Because it is the blood of Jesus that does it. Whoo! Thank you, Lord. So we have to be vulnerable to the truth. Because it's the truth that makes us free. What is the truth? Who is the truth? The truth is Jesus. For he did say, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can get to the Father but through me. So what do we do? Quickly, I'll just go through the what the why, and the how when it comes to being vulnerable. What should we be vulnerable to? Well, I just said that we have to be vulnerable to the truth. When we are not vulnerable to the truth, to the word, to God, when we are not vulnerable, it is so easy to fall into the trap of feeling or thinking that we're invincible. And that's what we've seen. We've seen it. It's sad, but we've seen it 
in, in, in our leaders. We've seen it in our visionaries of the great churches that have been created. When we're not vulnerable to the truth, we can easily step into the trap of nothing can get to me. You know, we, we, we can fall into the deception of I can kind of do whatever I want in the darkness because I'm not telling anyone because I'm not vulnerable. Because I'm hidden. And then you start to think, well, if it if it happened here, I can keep getting away with it. Look, we see the case in point when it comes to even the 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 me too, you know trend and 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 how real that has been that that man over decades was doing the same thing over and over and over again because he felt invincible nothing could touch him and you see what happens with that it's sad to say but it's the same thing in the church. This is a real issue. And the problem is there's no vulnerability. If there's no vulnerability, then you start to think I'm, I'm untouchable. It, it, it can't be like that. Because there's no real fellowship. There's no one in my life that's telling me, whoa, wait. Yeah, this is not you. This is not you. So why are we doing this? We have to bring these things out into the light so God can actually deal with it as we have fellowship with one another. No vulnerability. There's no real transparency. And it's really hard to be humble. It's really hard to have the mind of Christ. It's really hard to have humility if I don't have transparency in my life, if I'm not vulnerable in my life, how can I really be humble? You can't. So we have to stop isolating ourselves from one another. We have to stop playing church, pretending that, yeah, it's all good. You go and you love it and you scream and you love the emotion and you love the hype and you walk out and the next day or the next few days you're back into the same situation and you're not talking to anybody about it. Someone asks you what the message was about and it's like, uh, yeah, well, it was just good. Okay, so what do they tell you? Just come. Well, no, I want to know what you know before I come. What is it doing for you? If you want to bring me, then come get me. You know, this is it's a mindset that has to change. If if we're going to actually see the church change, we can't want community to fit church. We have to get church back to being community. It's got to be a shift. So why should I be vulnerable? Because it gives me fellowship with God, but it also gives me fellowship with you. It gives me fellowship with you. If I'm not in fellowship, then I'm isolated. And in isolation, the only voice I really hear and the only voice I really listen to is myself. And yeah, I know, we hear it all the time, especially in churches. Well, you know, hey, it's... 
look, it's time for me to go. Oh, where, where are you going? Oh, God is just telling me to leave. Okay. Well, that's great. Do you know where you want to be? No. Then a few weeks from now, how are you going? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, it's just me and God. But where's the community? Oh, it's just, it's just me and God. It, you know, we're, we're doing all right. So you, you start to just listen to your own voice. There's nothing to balance that out. We're so deep, and yet we're so ridiculously stupid. We are, because it's like, how do you, in any other situation, when it comes to making crucial decisions, you always bring people in to, to help you balance, to, to give you another perspective other than your own. And it's great that we all hear the voice of God. But do you understand that we're all human as well? And if we read in the scripture that Peter can miss it, surely, well, at least me, I can miss it. So I do have my wife to balance me out. But I have people in my life, you know, to balance me out. <laughs> I just thought of a situation. Uh, it was a movie that I really wanted, you know, people to see, and I ran it by another movie kind of sewer by the name of Joe. And, um, yeah, he watched it, and, uh, yeah, he told me the truth. Still don't really fully agree, but I, I listened to him because he was just like, yeah, no, Carver, this is really not a good movie to try to use and evangelize. And, and really, no, it's really not going to flow. I was like, all right. And, yeah. But it, it, the, the point that I'm making is that we think, the world of the thoughts that we have. And we always can hear clearly what God is saying. But you need balance. We need to be intelligent. We need to bring people in. We need to be vulnerable to one another. Because if you isolate, you become very, very religious in your thinking. You become very critical in your thinking. And it actually leads you to being incredibly judgmental. And wherever judgment is, there's a lack of love. We need to be vulnerable. That's why. That's why it is so crucial. So we have to quit having a form of godliness and denying the power. And, and when you read that and when you know that scripture... You automatically think, yes, the power of God, it, it you know, it heals people, it destroys the yoke, it, it um, raises the dead, it, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of, you know, those that are sick are now healed, and those that are deaf are now blind. Like, it's the, the miracles that we focus on when we think of the power of God. But, you know, God even challenged me in that. What about the power when it comes to just the life of someone changing from darkness to light? What about someone who didn't know Jesus and now they want to know Jesus because of you and seeing the fellowship that you have in the church and the health that your church displays, the local church, I mean. And, and when they can see how vulnerable you are, they want to be just as vulnerable. They actually want that because that's tangible. And they realize, oh, man, there's no condemnation there. I've been hiding the things that I've been going through 
through and it's been so much of a torment on my mind, but I can come to you because you're not going to judge me. That's power. That's powerful. That's why DMS is incredible every time we run it because every time we have our our settings when we actually can talk amongst each other and people realize, man, this is a space I can open up and this is a space that I can discuss all of the crap that I've been through and yet I'm not going to feel judged. I can get free. I want this. That's why it is so important that we be vulnerable with one another. We have to walk in the light as he is in the light. So how? How do we do this? How do we be vulnerable? Carvin, how do you, you say this, but how do I make that practical in my own life with God? Well, first, talk to God about the everyday things. Everyday things. I was talking to someone yesterday. I said I would mention this, but he brought up the point, well, yeah, the everyday things, but I'm sure God doesn't want me to talk about, you know, coffee and, you know, should I have coffee or tea, you know, in, in this moment? What should I do? What should I do? And I said, yeah, I mean, you know, we don't, we don't think we have to take it that far, but maybe we should take it that far. And, and the reason I say this is that it's not because the coffee and tea is the issue, don't, don't, no, it's not that. But when you bring God in on the conversation, you can get to the point of where the real issue is. And the real issue might be simply you're indecisive. It's not really the coffee and tea, but let's just try to get to the core of where the issue is. You're indecisive because these things in your life have caused you to be that way. If we correct the issue at the root, then the coffee and tea is not the problem. You, you get what I'm saying? It's, it's actually just bringing God in on the conversations. So something that you think is very small or something that you think is not really, you know, a need for God to really, uh, he, he, he's too big. I don't really need to put this on him. No, put it on him. That's what he wants. I remember being on the train when I first moved here and I was going to work and Look, it was a struggle. It was a struggle for me to just move from where I was, come here, and then have to work in a completely different environment and a culture that I, I really had no experience with. But, you know, with the way I'm built and the way that I think, it's like I just got to go and do it. You know, I, don't, I, I can't quit. I, I just have to go and do it. I just got to man up and do it. But on the train, I would feel so overwhelmed that I would just kind of throw in in the back of my mind because God, he knows what he's doing and you brought me here. So I'm not going to question you and, you know, I'm not going to do this and that. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to suck it up. But God was saying, no, don't just suck it up. These are real issues that you're dealing with. I want to hear it. Well, God, you already know, you know everything. Yeah, but I want you to talk to me because we have fellowship with one another. Fellowship is not a monologue. Fellowship is not something that you hear someone say and then you just do it. Fellowship is a dialogue between two people. And Jesus is a person. He's not just someone that is so mystical that you can't reach. He's not just someone that you get on your knees and pray and you say all these great things and then you get up as if, 
There's no real connection. You got to talk to God like you talk to people. And I sat on that train and I talked to God. And the moment I started to talk to him, the tears just started flowing. And the Holy Spirit was like, there we go. There we go. That's it. Now I'm get, we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere because guess what? You're bringing me in on it. Now I can shift this. Now I can change it. Now I can be where you are and you can understand and recognize that you're in fellowship with me. And when you realize that, you can now start to talk to other people about it. Because there's truth and there's freedom when you come to the realization that being in fellowship with one another is the key. You have to be vulnerable. So we talk to God about the everyday things. And then that leads us to that point number two. We talk to each other about everyday things. You know, and you find this in our cell groups. It's amazing when we start to really get real and start to open up with some things that we've never been able to really talk about, how it brings everyone automatically closer without actually even saying it. It's like, wow, we really are family now. That's what family actually means. You know, we all have these walls up, but we got to let these walls We want family, but then we have to take that step and be family. We show how much we care about one another when we talk to one another. And again, look, as we're talking to one another, that is not the moment that the person who's listening can take and say, oh, I have the answer. No. We actually don't have the answer. This has the answer. We listen. We pray with one another. We ask questions. But when you try to give the answer, that can be a complete shutdown because I'm not telling you to get the answer from you. I'm saying it so we can share each other's burdens. The Bible says that we bear one another's burdens. It didn't say we tell the person what to do after they've told me their issue. We bear one, we walk together and we point each other in the direction of Jesus. It's that simple. Why do we make it complicated? Because we're human. But it's so easy when we realize if I'm vulnerable to God, if I'm walking in the light, I don't have to be ashamed of the things that I've been through because, A, I've already been purified. There is no B after that. It's just A. It's it's finished. Jesus said it was finished. It's done. I'm purified. There's no condemnation. Whatever the enemy tells me is a lie. I don't have to believe it. It's finished. But now, since I'm in fellowship with God, if I'm vulnerable, I can be in fellowship with my brothers and sisters. And now we're a church Because guess what? The church is not a system. The church is a body. We all have to work together. Everything in your body, if something is off, guess what? The whole body suffers. Every ligament, every tissue, every ventricle, every aorta, every vein, every part, bone, muscle, 
everything about the body works together. Everything about the church works together. This is how we see truth. This is how we see freedom. This is how the world will come in and they will run in by the droves because we actually won't wait for them to run. We'll just go and get. And then when they see us together unified, it's like they want to they get in. And we have to make space for every single person because God made space for us. In our cell leaders meeting last month, we were praying. We were praying for leadership. We were praying for the church. We were praying for all those that were in cells, that weren't in cells, and just really praying for the body and praying for Melbourne Life. And I instantly saw Melbourne Life linking up with one another, arm by arm. And it was like God was just showing me how the church is getting and needs to get back to the place where everyone matters. Where it's about every, the everyday believer. And as I saw people linked up and as I saw everyone being real family, I then saw space being made for those that were now coming, that were now wanting to be a part. Because when you see a strong family, those that don't have family want to be family. And, and a strong family doesn't mean everything is right. It, it hardly ever, it, matter of fact, it never means that. It's not about everything is perfect, but it's about everyone going in the direction that God is taking them. And it's actually about the transparency of each of us and being vulnerable with one another. It's not about faults. It's not about your issues versus my issues. It's not about you've done something far worse than me. It's about look at what we've done. And the blood of Jesus has washed all of us. That's where we find the strength in our family. So I would like us to do this. I would like us to just link up together. Go across the rows. Join arm in arm. Yeah, it might, be, it might feel a little bit weird right now, but that's okay. Because we need to break this whole weirdness and quit saying we're family and actually be that. I understand the music. Yeah, that's good. The music team, Joel has both his hands, so you, you get a pass. So does Joash. He gets a pass. But we're all... We're all together. This is so amazing. It's not about how many people we have. It's about the people we have and how we make disciples and how we do life together. It's about Jesus being here right now. Every single one of us has a story. We have to be able to talk about it. We have to have the conversations about it. 
without feeling the condemnation that's attached to it because that's all a lie. We have to feel the freedom that comes with it because Jesus has purified every single one of us. So I'm just going to pray. Hallelujah. Father, I declare your anointing. I declare your blood. I declare your glory and your freedom upon every person here now, Lord. You have made us to be one body. You have made us to be one unit. You have made us to be unified in you. So the world will see that you have been sent. You have called us to walk in fellowship with you, to walk in the light with you. You have called us to walk in fellowship with one another. There is no greater love than one that can lay down his life for, for, for us all, Lord. And that is you. And as Paul said, if we lay down our lives for one another, we replicate who you are. We are ambassadors of you, Lord. And us linking together, Father, we want to just say thank you because we are one in you and we are here to be vulnerable with you and with one another. We are here to get to the place, Lord, where we can look at each other side by side and say, I will lay my life down for you. I understand, Father, and we get that it is not an overnight thing. We get that doing life together takes time. We get that this is a journey just like we're on with you. We're on with one another, Lord, but I pray now that we will see things completely different. I pray now, Lord, that we will sh- that you will just shift our mindset, shift our thinking, that you will shift the way we see one another, that we will see one another not by our faults, but we will see one another by the blood that you have shed over us. We will see one another as a brother, as a sister. We will see one another as family. We will see one another as love. We will see one another as you matter more than anything else. We will see one another as equal, Lord. Because you died for us all. You covered us all and you have freed us all, Lord. And I pray even now, Father, as the space begins to be made between each other and as we begin to allow other people to come in, that they will see the freedom, that they will feel the freedom, that they will feel the family, that they will not feel condemnation, but they will feel your conviction and freedom and coming into the realization of who they are in you. Truthfully, Lord, we pray that you will cause us to be vulnerable to the truth and that is you Jesus and that will make us vulnerable with one another thank you for the power that is displayed by your spirit even now because you bring us together and this is what the church should look like we are one body in you and now Lord I I pray the benediction Lord that you will cover us, that you will continue to change us, that this word that you have given will just rest in our hearts, will just show us the things that we need to be more vulnerable to you about. If we feel the conviction of really being in ourselves, Lord, and really coming along and walking and doing life together, Lord, I pray that you bring the conviction for every single person here There's no guilt attached to it. There are things that you want to do with us and through us. And there is freedom that you want to give us. 
So I pray that happens in our hearts, Lord, and that we will respond to the truth according to your will and to your way. So as we dismiss, Lord, and as we communicate and share each other's stories and have community over tea and coffee, Lord, I pray that the shift will continue. I pray, Lord, that you will just challenge us in our thinking and in the way that we've seen church and give us to see the way that you have displayed and have described church in your word in a practical and a reality way, Lord. A very, very real way. I pronounce your grace and your peace upon everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.